A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi there. This is Martina Navratilova. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, as always, and brought to you this week from the comfort of a Putney pub. We would have loved to be in the Putney Exchange, but uh, alas, they are closed, uh, which is my fault because uh, I've been working, commentating all day. So uh, we're forced to record late on in the evening, which means we're in a pub, and which means I, Catherine Whitaker, am joined by my co-presenter, Two Beers Law. Two Beers Law, yeah. So when you say a shame that we're not in the Putney Exchange Centre, I can guarantee you that's absolutely untrue because uh, this is the first podcast we've ever recorded where I've been drinking beer. So what comes not up... I don't think that's accurate. It is. I mean, 291 podcasts we've, in. I'm sure we've done a Queen's one. I'm sure there have been... Que- There's a free bar at Queen's. That's true. I was on my back on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, there's been one with a David Law impersonator. It wasn't even really David Law. Anyway, that, that's not true either. That's not true. He was really good. Anyway, anyway, lest we get ourselves into trouble, I should I should say we're only we're only one beer down at this stage. So I think we're on think we're on safe territory for the time being. Let's see how the podcast progresses. But for now, I think we're in uh, safe podcasting territory. Uh, I say that I've been commentating. I have been busy um, doing commentary for the new ATP radio station, Tennis Radio. I bet it took a long time for them to come up with that and one, It's a good it? name, isn't it? Good yeah. name. But interestingly, so there's a number of platforms that it's available on, ATP website, TuneIn Radio, and uh, because it's the 21st century and all that, you can listen to it on your Amazon Echo. You just have to ask Alexa to play radio tennis. But if you ask her to play tennis radio, she doesn't understand. You have to ask her to play radio tennis. Which what happens is... if you ask her to play tennis podcast? Oh, I don't know. Well, you better carry on and find I don't out. Know. Stop publicising some other My parents will soon platform. be able to tell you. My parents love Alexa. The problem we've got here, David, is that we're doing a podcast during which we're saying Alexa a lot. And that means that people that have an Alexa in their house and that are listening to this out loud will suddenly have Alexa-based havoc being wreaked in their kitchens the or living rooms or whatever, wherever they keep their Alexas. Like me, don't know what the heck you're talking she about. She does have a mind of her own sometimes. It's a great Christmas pre- present for your parents, David, if, you're, stu- if you're stuck next year. Oh, it went down a treat. Anyway... Uh, first on the agenda is uh, a bit of humble pie swallowing for Catherine Whitaker. It's obvious that David Law, Two Beers Lord, made the agenda this week, isn't it? Because right at the top of it is uh, a point of clarification, <laughs> which is rather required on the geographical location of Monterey, or rather the specific Monterey at which the WTA tournament uh, was held uh, a couple of weeks ago because I, um, if you'll remember, and if you're a regular listener, will remember that I waxed lyrical about the aquarium in Monterey. And all of that was true, listeners, all of it. It is one heck of an aquarium, don't get me wrong. However, it's in Monterey, California, and not Monterey, Mexico, which is where the uh, tennis tournament was. And um, because I'm a uh, really professional radio broadcaster, I can link this back to the debate that we had last week, David, about the fact that uh, live streaming is not available on the WTA Tour for all matches and all tournaments. So we weren't able to actually 
tune in and check what surface and uh, what part of the world that Monterey tournament was in. We were following it avidly via the WTA website, but... uh, very rarely clarifies on their well, what, uh, if, if it <laughs> what may, continent. If it makes you feel any better, in 2011, Serbian tennis star Bojana uh, Jovanovski uh, landed 1,500 kilometres away from the tournament she was supposed to be playing in because she was trying to go to Carlsbad uh, in, uh, in California, but instead she landed <gasps> in Carlsbad, New Mexico. So... There you go. <laughs> it's I, not I just you, Catherine. I drove through Carlsbad, uh, California, last summer. Did you? Fun fact. I've got a fun fact for all California destinations, just none for Mexican destinations. Note to self. Uh, clarify uh, what destination you're talking about uh, before talking about aquariums. Um, moving on to, having said that, I'm just about to do the same because uh, our first port of call is to talk about Bogota. And the incredible woman that is Francesca Schiavone, who won the tournament in Bogota last week. I've been to Bogota, David. Oh, yeah. Have they got any good aquariums <laughs> I there? I don't or? know. No? I don't know. Got some good restaurants. Some right. good, yeah, good restaurants. I, I assume you're talking about Bogota, Colombia. Is that, but, am I on safe ground I'm sure here? sure there are at least five. <laughs> Definitely got one down the road from me. But um, for Francesca Schiavone, you're quite right. A, a French Open champion, I can't exactly remember the year now, about six, seven years ago, something like that. And... Uh, She's already announced at the start of this year that this would be her final year on the tennis It's a victory lap, circuit. isn't it? It is. And frankly, in many ways, I've been quite relieved that she made that announcement because she was getting so many heavy defeats from people, you know, she would have given good matches to at the very least and beaten at the height of her powers, most of them. And you, you don't want to see that. And it's the... the the conversation we've had so many times about other great players of the past. I remember Michael Chang, it felt like he went on for too long and he was getting beaten regularly, week in, week out. We even started having that discussion about Roger Federer before he made yeah, us look. Yeah, about 10 years ago, utterly for the first time. Utterly stupid yeah. that he made us look. But, you know, Francesca Scavoni, to win the title, albeit, you know, relatively speaking on the WTA circuit, a weaker field than, than some... But on clay, she's beaten Lara Arubarena in the final. Proper clay court player, good player. You know, and the, the scenes when she won that title. I mean, she is a joy to watch. The way she plays the sport, the, 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 the variety she comes out with. She's not big. She's not hugely powerful. She finds different ways to win. And it was a joyful experience to watch her play. And it was also notable just seeing how many other players immediately took to social media to, to say how happy they were to see her win. Yeah, fantastic warmth of feeling towards Francesca Schiavone. I should point out, we will of course come and come on to talking about what's going on this week. Plenty going on in Monte Carlo. I've just been talking about all of it, but I feel like we should deal with uh, the events of last week before we start talking about what's happening now and of course what is to come because there are a couple of very big weeks ahead in the world of tennis for various different reasons. But but you did very well there with uh, Arabuena, Laura Arabuena, David. Did I? Um, I'm going to really test you now. Who won the tournament in uh, in Beale last week, well, David? Well, normally I would have said it was um, somebody called Vondrasova. However, uh, having had uh, some feedback on social media from people who I've been asking the opinion of and who I told we David were going to be... David the opinion of everyone about well, everything. Well, you know, you can, can't be it too careful. It doesn't um, make you special. I tell you what, you should see how many pole vaults we got going on this week. Where I really involve everybody here, um, but we'll get onto that fairly shortly. No, um, yes, we will. I, I asked, uh, or I just sort of let people know what we were going to be talking about, and uh, people were very quick to let me know um, how you pr- pronounce this name. Uh, Von- Stop dilly-dallying, David. Von Drusheva is how we should be pronouncing this name, is, is, is what I'm told. Marketa Von Drusheva. Now tell us what you know about what I know Marketa about Von Drusheva. is that she is 17 years of age, that she's a left-hander, and I saw a few little clips. I saw match point in her match. I saw some of the hot shots. Um, one, of our, one of our colleagues told me that she's very a very loose hitter of the ball she makes it look very easy and oh, I hate it when people make it look easy well I've seen your game you make it look easy to to look not very good oh, I've got a story for you on that front oh yeah anyway go on no no we're talking about Marquette von Drusheva. yeah but that can wait well I tried to play tennis over the Easter weekend you know if Easter weekend's for anything David it's for it's for playing tennis isn't it would you agree 
I didn't, roasting, I'm sure. roasting and playing tennis. Right. So we'd had it planned all week. My brother had had a big exam earlier in the week, so it was huge anticipation. You know, it was the big reward getting to Easter weekend. We'd booked a court. The, the, the weather against all predictions, all forecasting, the sun was shining. The stage was set for what was to be a glorious game of tennis. It's Easter Sunday. My brother rocks up at my house. The, the courts are just down the road from my flat. We've got no tennis balls. You turned up to a tennis match with no tennis balls. Well, no, see, we'd, we'd vowed to get new tennis balls after our last game because we'd, we'd worn them out with all our hard hitting. Right. True story. Of course. Um, so we'd left those tennis balls, balls there uh, and we'd said, right, well, we'll get new balls for uh, our next encounter. We forgot. And then it was Easter Sunday. Nowhere's open on Easter Sunday. Poundland was selling uh, tubes of five for a pound, but they were red and uh, barely even pressurised. Oh, so you snob. We decided against those. So here we are uh, with all the gear and no idea. Well, not quite all the gear because we had no tennis balls. Uh, foraged around the house and my flatmate managed to find a Wimbledon 2013 tennis ball, which I'd lent her probably about four years ago to help her with some of her physio exercises from a sprained ankle. Uh, so we set off with that. Turns out that, that? that was dead. So what actually ended up happening was my brother had to forage in some bushes <laughs> for old tennis balls <laughs> for us to play tennis with. I have a photo which will go on our Instagram and Facebook accounts of the tennis balls that we found and ended up playing with. They were... They were various shades of brown. They, they had, <laughs> oh my goodness, they had right. the branding worn off them. They all bounced completely differently. I mean, it was... It, <laughs> and yet we still played, David. Was, I know. Is, is this a roundabout way of making an excuse for not having played very well? Oh, it was dire. It was absolutely dire. But we gritted our teeth, David. Who won? There was, there was no match play. There was... <laughs> There was no match Basically, play. ever since you won that one match where there was no serves because your brother serves too well, you've stopped playing matches. This is, this is what no, you no, do. No, no, I lost no. to him the subsequent week. This is I lost what you do, Catherine Whittaker. You beat somebody and then you just refuse to play them ever again so that you have thereafter a head-to-head winning record. Did you not hear? We had to forage for tennis balls, David. We had to forage for tennis balls. And then we'd been playing an hour, flogging away with these... I mean, basically, they were worse than the tennis balls I had to play with at, at my old school, which is really saying something, because they had basically been in the sports cupboard since the 80s. Um, about an hour into our tennis session, these two, these two lads rocked up, and they were rubbish, David. They were so rubbish, but they had two that. glistening yellow tubes of brand-new tennis balls. I hate it when no people are No one needs two tubes. People that, are no rubbish, people that are rubbish have got all the kits. They're the most annoying, We considered they? making them an offer for one of their tubes of tennis balls, but we couldn't figure out a way to make it not weird. Anyway, you were telling us about, about Marketa Vondrusheva. Vondrusheva, yes, that's right. Um, how did we get onto that? You did ask, David, you did yes, ask. Yes, I did ask. Well, this is a player who is clearly... Just full of natural talent, and she she beat Barbara Stritzova, who is a very very accomplished tennis player, and a, a fellow Czech, older than her, considerably you know ten years and more older than her. That is not easy to do to beat somebody who's your compatriot and to stare them down and beat them. I mean, great win from her, and uh, yeah, she went all the way. And and what an exciting talent out of nowhere! I think it was only her second ever tournament, so you know. Remember that name. I won't be able <laughs> to pronounce it. To pronounce that name. No, we've learnt it. We've learnt it early. It'll go deep into our brains now. Marketa von Drusheva. Now on the men's side, we have some far easier pronunciations for you. Uh, we had two tournaments: one in Houston, Steve Johnson, Stevie J, the winner. Right. Can you tell we're in a pub? Uh, Stevie J, the <laughs> winner in Houston, 
and uh, in Marrakesh, Borna Chorich. Now, I know he's crashed out today. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. He's crashed out today uh, in Monte Carlo. Very understandable, I think, a three-set match. I can't quite remember who to. It will come to me. I commentated on bits of it. <laughs> you commentated on it. You can't remember who it was. <laughs> just on the match point. No, I can't quite remember who it was. Anyway, just bear with me. You can talk about Steve yeah. Johnson while I look up well, uh, the details from, of Borna Chorich's From what day. I read and saw, um, Steve Johnson in the final was up against Thomas Bellucci of Brazil. And uh, Bellucci was on the brink of victory um, and, and frankly, was unable to, to get the job done. There was loads of cramping going on. There was loads of uh, uh, choking going on. And uh, eventually, Steve Johnson got the win. So, great win for him on the clay. In, Who was choking? I can't remember. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, one of them cramped. One of them choked. I don't know which one. Uh, but anyway, it was Steve Johnson who won the tournament. Two, two other notable bits there, I think, is one is that Jack Sock was a man that Johnson beat in the semi-finals, which uh, I think Sock has basically hit the wall. Frankly, I mean, he went all the way to Australia, played Davis Cup. Otherwise, you know, I was talking a little bit to, to Brad Gilbert about how how irritated he is that no Americans play in Monte Carlo. Ryan Harrison was the only one who played. Um, and he's always he's had a go a couple of times at Jack Sock saying, why doesn't this guy with a perfect clay court game... Well, he loves clay, doesn't he? Yeah, why doesn't he play Monte Carlo? Well, this time, to be fair to Jack Sock, as pointed out by uh, Ali on Twitter at Tennis Podcast, who said, look, this guy's been all the way to Australia and come back so it's kind of fair enough that, it, that he, he's managed to play Houston he's not going to go and play Monte Carlo as well this year but apparently he intends to next year so we'll see if he actually manages to do he's that already pledged to, they he's already have, planning there we go first name on the entry list for Monte Carlo 2018 yeah. it's Jack but Sock the, the other one I wanted to point out was Ernesto Escobedo who's a young American player um, up and coming who's another big hitter I've seen him play a couple of the British players I think he's only about 19 years of age yeah he's got a great name yeah and there's a wonderful article written about him on the New York Times website from a couple of months ago charting his his upbringing and about how he he, he basically just had to scrap his way through on public courts and find his way probably had to forage for tennis balls at some stage yeah so maybe there's hope for you no there's not um, so Ernesto Escobedo is, is somebody I think a lot of people hope does good things in the game because he seems like a really good guy with a, with a lot of a lot of good good attitude and approach to the sport. Yeah, I remember watching him uh, get eventually beaten by Kyle Edmund at the U.S. Open last year, out on court thirteen on that day that was uh, hotter than the sun. I think I described it at the time. I don't remember anything about the match. All I remember is being. Very, very hot indeed. Big, we big words, Catherine. Give, I mean, how close to the sun have you been? Cracking. I understand it's very, very hot. Um, uh, Monte Carlo has started in earnest. D- did you did you enjoy that? Uh, we've gone from Ernesto Escobedo to Monte Carlo has started in earnest. Do yes. I get anything for that? No, you don't. In fact, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of wrapping up the whole podcast. <laughs> We're never doing one in a pub again. <laughs> never. Uh, so yeah, Monte Carlo has Monte Carlo started. Has happened. Let's start with yeah. what's happened today. Yeah, well, a very close match between Novak Djokovic and Gilles Simon, which I was match. just following on live scores, and it was I saw that Djokovic won the first set. Next thing I know, I had a look. It's three-two up with a break for Simon in the third, but. Well, he served for the match. He served for the match to Gilles Simon, yeah. He didn't have a match point. Uh, I think he got himself to uh, 30-15 in that game. No, I think he got himself to 15-all. That was as close as he got. And then he went 15-40 and Djokovic, I think, took the first of the two break-back points. And uh, Simon didn't win another game. I think it's going to haunt Gilles Simon. It's a really interesting one. Um, from the perspective of Novak Djokovic on the eve of the tournament he did all his pre-tournament media and he talked very openly about how he saw this as his time to start the season afresh he talked about a new start which I found very interesting because it's not been a disastrous year for him Um, but yeah he sees this as um, a completely clean slate in terms of 2017 and the match was I don't know what to make of it it was as the match progressed, the stakes grew higher and higher for Novak Djokovic because come through it and 
you're brimming with confidence. You've got the you've got the win. You've got a win under your belt against a notoriously tricky opponent for you, and and you've come through it. You've got it out. If you lose, I mean, that's if he had lost that, it would have been devastating for his confidence. How that's what I was thinking throughout. I, th- I thought if he comes through this then it can only be good for him, regardless of the level of play. It's not necessarily about the level of play. It's about getting the confidence level back to somewhere close to where it was this time last year. But then I spoke to some of my colleagues um, at Tennis Radio, or Radio Tennis, if you're Alexa, um, and they completely disagreed with me. They said, well, if Novak Djokovic is, is thinking about a new start, there was absolutely nothing new. There was nothing to look at in his game today which suggested he's doing anything differently to how he was doing it in the earlier part of the season. And I, I don't see it like that. I don't think it's about that. I think you can't separate confidence from level of level of play. You can't... It, the two are so intrinsically linked. I don't think it's one thing saying I want to go out there and be aggressive on the big points and I want to keep my focus and I want to maintain 100% intensity throughout the match. Of course that's what you need to do on a tennis court. I know that's what you need to do, but I can't blame and do it, can that's I? True. Because nope. I'm not, you know, I'm not a machine. And this time last year, Novak Djokovic seemed like a machine, didn't Except he? We he all underestimate. To, he lost okay. to Jiri Vesely last year. Which, but in hindsight, I suppose was the, was the first sign of the wheels coming no. off of it. No. He went and won the French Open. What are you talking about? He hung on to win the French Open. He, didn't he win, but like, Rome and Madrid it was the, as well? It was the first... He didn't win uh, Rome. Okay, well, he ended up winning... It was the first signs of strain. It was the first signs of his being a human. Because up until that point in the season... He lost one tennis match. I know, but at the time, I was there in Monte Carlo. It was the most shocking thing. It was, this guy cannot possibly lose a tennis match. That was the atmosphere inside the Monte Carlo press room, inside the stadium that day. It was, I don't care how well Yuzhi Vesely is playing... Novak Djokovic does not lose tennis matches. Now, that's not the case this year. This year, it's Novak Djokovic is still a very, very good tennis player. But when he, when he was down in that third set, I thought he was going to lose. Had he been in that situation this time last year, I would have thought, ah, oh, he'll definitely come through and win it, for sure. But and neither he surprised of those things me a happened, bit today. did they? Because today he won, and last year against Vesely, he ended up losing. See, I think that that was a real blip. Him against Vesely. I don't. Th- I don't read anything into that a year ago. I really don't. But after he won the French Open, you saw a notable change, a shift in everything that is Novak Djokovic for the rest of the year. Even reaching the final of the U.S. Open, it was not the same man. The only time I remember thinking he's back, and I, and I said it at the time, I felt after he beat Goffin. I know it was Goffin came in as a sub at the ATP Finals, but I thought he looked much more like himself and then then he threw in another dog of a performance against Andy Murray admittedly Murray played very well and, and won that final I, I, I didn't see today so it's difficult to, to properly give a view but my, my feeling is that that is a good win for him he's fought past a guy who makes him play a thousand tennis balls during during a set or, or however oh, many it was brutal, however many it was it was. A brutal and physical let's not forget test. they had a very similar type match at the Australian Open last year and Djokovic ended up winning the title. I think, you know, at any point here, if Djokovic has got himself back together mentally, he could he could start again. If he's physically okay, it could start again. This guy could go on a roll. It, 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 that could be the launch pad. Yeah, I don't disagree. In his portion of the draw, Goffin is... Or Sasha Zverev, I think, is a potential third-round opponent, which would it, be very know, exciting. The, the thing that I like about Zverev is the way... He, he's played a guy like Andreas Seppi, I think, first round, and beaten him 6-2, 6-1. Oh, it was a demolition. This is a good player. He's just thrashed. I remember him doing something similar in one of the early rounds last year in, the, in Monte Carlo. I think he beat Rublev, and he just destroyed him. You know... I, I like to see that in a player who who is coming up, who you're having high hopes for, because he doesn't seem to have real letdowns at the moment. I mean, he had one, I think, last summer. Uh, he lost to Evans, and he was losing a couple of matches around there, but I think he kind of ran out of gas a bit. What are you smiling for? Just the fact of losing to Dan Evans being like somebody's rock bottom. Uh, do you mind? That was a good <laughs> win forever, that was. Uh, do you know, somebody said to me, uh, I, it, I was I was commenting uh, on the, the fact that... Uh, 
Carol Bouchard is, uh, is is writing a book about Novak Djokovic. She's written it. It's yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, so do go and have a look at that. I, I dare say it'd be really interesting. Um, there you go, Carol. Um, about his run to his what was it the the, the career slam? I think it was the completion. Yeah, it's all, it's of it. all about the French yeah. Open last. Somebody year. said to me, uh, "When's David Law's book coming out on Dan Evans?" And I said, <laughs> "Well, you know, let's just wait until he's won three of the four. So you know, a little bit of patience." I was going to leave the Dan Evans chat till later, but seeing as he's come up, as he always seems to on the tennis podcast, he has said he's made some pretty interesting comments today, hasn't he? About, look, we know he doesn't like playing on clay. We know clay doesn't suit him. That's not purely in his head. He's never going to conquer the clay, is Dan Evans. He lost out to Kyle Edmund in the all-Brit battle in the first round yesterday. Kyle Edmund, incidentally, gets the reward of playing Rafael Nadal next. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I can't breeze over what Dan Evans has had to say uh, following his match against Kyle Edmund. And actually, he was a double break-up in the first set. And then, obviously, it all collapsed like a house of cards. Uh, but he's confirmed that he's going to play Barcelona uh, he said, I will make the trip to Barcelona. Um, it's a bit of a training exercise for me, a pointless one at that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> What's he going there for? <laughs> what, what is he going there for? If you're going in with that attitude, tell us, David, as Dan Evans' correspondent, what's the plan here? Well, first of all, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the line of answering is that's just him. I mean, you know, he's self-deprecating. He's he's deadpan. He takes the mick uh, out of everything that... So do you think he's downplaying it? Well, basically, I mean, he knows that it's not his best surface by a country mile. He you, knows that. Do you think and it's a Mourinho mind game? No. And deep down he's thinking, but, I can but, win that title. No, I don't. I can, st- <laughs> I can cut a swathe through the Barcelona draw. No one will see me coming. <laughs> no, I don't think any of that. <laughs> But I do feel as though, you know, for his, for the best part of a set, he was causing Carl Edmund, who's yeah, much really more comfortable, decent. Yeah. he was causing him problems. And style-wise, there are things that Evans can do on a clay court that other players will not like. So, you know, if he keeps playing and he keeps trying it, maybe he'll, maybe he'll figure it out. Maybe it'll start working. Will he? How do I know? Is he going to? Is he going to work it out? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> right then, should we Might talk be. about Carl Edmund, who beat Dan Evans yesterday and Plays now Rafael meets Nadal. Uh, Rafael Nadal. Now, by the time that most of you are listening, this match will have happened. I got hammered about this on Twitter because I said that if Kyle Edmund plays his biggest, best tennis, that he can trouble Nadal. Not beat him, but he can trouble it's him. It's not that big. I, I, think I got hammered about Kyle that. Kyle Edmund's forehand is completely firing. He can trouble just about anybody. On clay. On Particularly clay. on clay. Because, yeah. I, because I the game I think is... even if he plays really well, he's highly unlikely to win. Well, I agree. But just saying he... Frankly, I mean, if, agree. If you, but I don't know why you're getting a hammering for that, because... British by hyperbole de- by is defini- what I was told. By definition, the inverse of that statement, if you don't believe in that statement, then what you're saying is that Kyle Edmund, playing his absolute very best, cannot even trouble a top player on clay. Well, and I it's think not just a top player, unfair. is it? It's Nadal. I mean, that's the point. Well, but Nadal, look, who we've not seen on clay this season yet. I still think that I'm right. So... I think I'm saying you're right as well, David. Let's definitely not record in the pub ever again. I'm being far too nice. Um, what else has happened? Anything else of note? Joe Wolfertsonga went out today in Monte Carlo. I think a bit of the sort of post-paternity leave um, blues. He, he was all out of sorts. He didn't look particularly in great shape is that fair to say yeah I mean it's difficult for me to say because all I was doing was listening to your commentary okay, well I'm saying he didn't look in brilliant shape tennis radio <laughs> which is uh, which I must point out is entirely forgivable yeah. I hope he's had a wonderful five weeks yeah. of paternity leave and not thought about tennis for one you, second you should have seen the state of me after my two kids were born I can tell you in fact look at me now uh, anyway two beers uh, law yeah before I go and get my third one which we will take a break for in just a moment or two um Catherine, I did want to talk to you about Andy Murray, who's who's returning, isn't he, at this tournament? Um, and you know, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what sort of Andy Murray turns up because 
we were recording last week when he was on the eve of his match against Roger Federer, the charity match. Um, he, he looked physically in decent shape. He, he wasn't serving flat out by any means. but You can't tell anything from a charity match, though, can you? No, no but I don't know. I just felt as though he wasn't... It didn't look like he was really holding back too much. Uh, I didn't feel like he was gingerly moving around or anything like that. He was hurtling into the corners and um, seemed to be hitting the ball pretty hard to me. Um, so, you know, that I, I was pleasantly surprised by how, how he looked personally, but he plays... Gilles Muller, which is good round. news for him yeah. because it would have been Tommy Robredo if yeah. it had been uh, if Robredo had won through. I think that would have been a real grind. Um, so you know, yeah, it's he's a good player, Muller, but he's not on his best surface either. So I just find this stage of the season so interesting that you've got Nadal coming back now. Everybody's kind of thinking this is the guy who's favourite for all of it because of of his record Djokovic is an unknown a little bit at the moment and yet he's the defending champion at all these tournaments um, ok not, not Monte Carlo but you've got Murray who's world number one who hasn't played for ages and frankly hasn't played like world number one all year long and you've got Roger Federer who's the best player in the world on paper and he's just said I'm putting my feet up until until Roland Garros you know and, and, and you've got Stan Wawrinka who won, just being won Roland Garros two years ago and nobody's talking about him again because no, no. nobody ever talks about and, him and I, th- I feel like what, what a psychological move that is from Roger Federer to just say tell you what lads you just go and potter around on the clay for a couple of months yeah. I'll put my feet up stay at the top of the race rankings and I'll see you in Paris yeah you go and deplete your canisters while I have a six week holiday it's and I'll, I'll see you at Wimbledon. Imagine, when I, imagine when if I'm Roger the Federer trophy. faced Rafael Nadal in all four Grand Slam finals this year. They'd need a favour from uh, whoever's doing the draw, wouldn't they? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, well unless they're not top hearts. two seeds, yeah, 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 I suppose you're no, right. Back, back when they were one of two impossible. seeds, it was all uh, guaranteed. Tell you what, Catherine, let me just go to the bar, get my third beer, and I'll talk to you in a minute. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Quickly to go back to Andy Murray now. Uh, now David is replenished on the beer front. I I just don't. I'm surprised he's playing Monte Carlo at the time uh, when the elbow injury, the extent of it, was sort of first coming out. And Simon Briggs did his piece on it, and uh, we had him on the podcast talking about it as well. I thought it sounded a little bit more long term, and at a time I remember thinking, oh, I doubt he'll be in Monte Carlo. But I just don't see any motivation for Andy Murray to be taking any kind of risk with his body so I have to believe that the fact that he's playing Monte Carlo means he is 100% fine because I just don't think he'd be there if he wasn't. No I think you're right and and he's he's got to try it out now in a match situation and the truth is until you try out it 
and, and play a match situation with all the tension that comes with it, you, you just don't know. And he's got and, and his his ranking position. There's absolutely no threat to him at the top of the rankings at the moment. Yes, he's got a fair amount to defend on the clay, but so does Novak Djokovic. So rankings wise, there's no pressure. He wants to win tournaments. He wants to get match wins under his belt but I, I just see no motivation for Andy Murray to be taking any risks so uh, I have to believe he's in good shape I think he'll take care of Gilles Muller how far he'll go I don't know I'll watch him tomorrow and uh, I'll make my assessment of how well he's playing again a comment that will be out of date by the time most of you are listening to this so moving on David <laughs> moving on what would you like to talk about next Fed Cup yeah go on Fed Cup. What would you so, like to say? We've got uh, Romania against GB. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's a, a clear case of Great Britain being heavily second favourites on clay, Away. indoors in Romania. It's a, you know, it's the worst draw. We spoke to Anki Othavong a couple of months ago or six weeks ago when they qualified for this stage of the the, the tournament, and you know, it was before the draw was made. She just wanted a home tie. She didn't get that. She got the toughest draw of the lot frankly but since then Joe Contra has beaten Simona Halep uh, come from behind to beat her we've seen some emotional fragility from Simona Halep we know that she can she can go off the ball if she's pushed really hard she can get very stressed and, and it can hinder her performance as I suppose it can for many players they're such a strong team in depth, though. They've got Arena Camellia Begu as well. They've got Monica Nicolescu. They've got a lot isn't it? of players. I don't think of Romania as a big tennis nation, but they do actually almost always have a good crop of players, both in men's and, and, and women's tennis. Obviously, it waxes and wanes a little bit with generations, but generally speaking, they always have a crop of very decent tennis players. Obviously, they've got Simona Halep as a standout at the moment, but there's also a decent amount of depth there yeah. and, and they've it's it's almost like a mini Czech Republic in that way they haven't got quite the, the degree of standout players that the Czech Republic have got but you could imagine Romania having good results in the years to come in Fed Cup and they all you know they're pretty committed to it as well Britain have Joe Conta who is a top 10 player one of the best players in the world right now Heather Watson on her day can be exceptional but you know, she's been very erratic of late. It's a tough time for Heather Watson, isn't yeah. it? Obviously, she was the defending champion in uh, Monterey, Mexico. And uh, she only reached the second round there. Tough lines for her. So she, I think now, has missed out on the cutoff for main draw in Paris. And will have to play qualies. Yeah. Um, you've got Laura Robson and Jocelyn Ray, who are the doubles team. And obviously, Robson is capable of playing singles if required to do so but you know she has struggled for form of late as well Naomi Brody doesn't make herself available for for the Fed Cup team so you know that it really requires Britain to have no injuries at all and to and to just redline it and play you, you need Conta to have the week of her life and and Watson to have the week of her life and and they could win but that would be great for Heather Watson, you know, given what I've just said about what a tough time she's having, a fantastic performance in Fed Cup could be just what she needs. The same for Laura Robson. I know it's unlikely that she'll be called on to play in singles, but goodness me, that could be a launch pad for well, Watson of those was superb two. in the previous stage. She, she didn't lose a match at all, and uh, I, I think she really comes alive in, in, in a... I think, I think Watson is probably somebody who, when she's on the run-of-the-mill day-to-day tour... I think she probably gets a bit bored. A she bit, finds it tough. You know? She's been open about that, hasn't she? She she finds it tough to be 100% on it mentally every single day. And I don't think that you get that from Conta. I think Conta is probably more comfortable in her own space with her own team doing the, the tennis player thing. And she's a more naturally intense individual, isn't she? I think yeah. Heather Watson genuinely is quite... Free spirited and, and easygoing. She wants exactly. to be around people, and, and and that's why I think actually the Fed Cup environment, where she's going to be around someone like Anki Othavong, who's going to create a good fun environment, and Laura Robson, who's a good laugh. I think that will that will suit Watson, probably bring her best tennis out of her. Britain are not out of that. That that is, you know, they are probably 
25, 75 underdogs, maybe 30, 70, but they've got a chance. They definitely do have a chance, I'd agree with that. And my heart sank for Ankie Othervong uh, when that draw came out because it was the one thing she said, wasn't it, when uh, you spoke to her for the podcast that she desperately wanted a home tie. But, I mean, that's the beauty of, of the Fed Cup and Davis Cup, isn't it? Um, Joe Conta has, uh, she said today, taken a wild card into Stuttgart, which is next week. That's not really the biggest story that will be happening in Stuttgart next week. I think you all know what the biggest story is. If you don't know about it now, you are certainly going to know about it next week. I mean, Well, Joe Contra is going to arrive and have all the British media there, and frankly, they're not there for her. No one's... I mean, will they even bother with press conferences for anybody else? Yeah, actually, tournament? they will, because they'll want is to it, find well, out what they all true. think about But they've Marie all said Chappella. what they think. They have all pretty much I, said I it already. Say, I dare say Joe Contra will be asked again what she thinks, because... To be honest, she, she did her very best not to answer Mike Dixon's questions about the subject when he spoke to her uh, in Miami. And I, I, I heard that. Um, and it, it's a difficult one. You know, what do you do? Barbara Stritzova and uh, Dominika Sibulkova, they were very outspoken. They said what they thought. We heard Caroline Wozniacki on the subject. And look, the fact is, this is going to be a circus over the course of the week. You're going to get the first two days of people just waiting for Maria Sharapova to arrive. On the Wednesday, she's finally going to be let in the building. That's the first time she's going to be granted entrance into the stadium. And incidentally, Stuttgart is a fantastic tournament. They have great crowds every single year. It's going to be an event. Not, to my mind, the most palatable of events in some ways, but an event, certainly. So that's what's happening in Stuttgart next week. It is the return of Maria Sharapova. Whatever you feel about it, it is a hotly anticipated event. She's done a big interview in the Times magazine this week. For any international listeners, the Times magazine, a cover of the Times magazine, it's it's about as big a deal, really, as a, as a feature interview can get, would you say, David? Yeah, I mean, in terms of profile... Um, it's huge because it's not just sports fans it's the general punter who is seeing a tennis player on the cover Uh, Maria Sharapova could probably get on the cover of that pretty much any time she likes at this particular point when she's coming back from a doping suspension even more so Um, and uh, yeah it was uh, it was very high profile it was um, I would say I would say it was it was it was a pretty gentle interview by somebody who I know thinks that uh, that she has on the whole carried herself well over the the course of the the suspension. Um, I, I I don't a hundred percent agree with that. I, I feel as though she. I would prefer much more if she'd have kept a lower profile. Quite honestly, I would have preferred if she'd. I think it would have been fantastic if she'd have said no to all the wildcard offers and just decided to come back that way. But look, that's the, the and aside from we're personal in. feelings, it, I, I, surely objectively, from a PR perspective, in terms of public opinion, I know there are plenty of diehard Maria Sharapova fans out there who she can do no wrong, and you know. Whatever you're feeling, I think just objectively in terms of public support, I think that path that you just described would have garnered her the most public support in terms of her comeback. Now, if you haven't read the Times magazine, I know the Times is behind a paywall, so you won't all have mentioned it. I mean, it covers all the bases. I think it's fair to say. I mean, it's done by a colleague of ours, Richard Evans, fantastic interviewer, fantastic journalist. It's brilliantly written. It's fair to say it is um, comes at the story and the situation from a favourable angle. So, look, it? it is certainly handled. It's even-handed to the point of, I feel, give, giving her the, a fair shake to the point of not pushing her on a couple of the issues that, frankly, she deserves to be pushed on. Um, but, but I know how things work and. Uh, you know, like you say, Richard is a, is a brilliant writer. He's one of my broadcasting heroes. I don't agree with him on every element of this issue, um, but you know, it, we're all entitled to our own view. And uh, he has written the piece. Have a read. Make up your own mind. Yeah, have a read. And uh, yeah, I apologise that we're plugging something that isn't available to 
everyone, not necessarily plugging it. It's just interesting. I mean, I, I, there's so much of it. It's pretty meaty. Um, I, I was trying to pick out a few quotes to read out for you. I've just got one because it, re- it really made me laugh. The final, uh, the final quote, uh, and this is pure quote. This is an editorialising from Richard Evans. It's, um, she's trying to make the point about what a, no- a normal person she is and she says i can be just as comfortable in a private plane as i can flying commercial in the back row with my girlfriend because she can't afford to fly in first you're just jenny from the block maria (laughs) indeed David Law's got nothing to say. Two beers, David. He's just taking a swig of the beer. He's got nothing to say to that. What else have we got in in tennis? Save me from myself, David. Oh, well, I tell you what, you were talking about Fed Cup earlier on. No, uh, I know what I've just done. I've opened up. I've handed the floor to you, and I know what's going to happen now. I haven't even given you a poll vote yet. I'm actually going to tell you about the Fed Cup semi-finals that we rather forgot to mention. Uh, Czech Republic against the U.S., uh, which is uh, say we up. rather forgot to mention. Well, what you mean is Catherine forgot to mention? Well, that's true. Only um, Romania GB was on the agenda, David. Yeah, well, you know, uh, at home in the United States. It's tough, this isn't time. it? Who can I ever mean, beat the Czech Republic at, at Saddlebrook on clay outdoors? I think that will be really interesting. Is I mean, that Saddlebrook uh, Austria or Saddlebrook <laughs> Philippines or Saddlebrook? Uh, could, could, which, which Saddlebrook? Could be Do any. they have an aquarium? Could be any. Anyway, team nominations: Coco Vanderway, Lauren Davis, Shelby Rogers, and Bethany Matic Sands against Katarina Siniakova, Kristina Pliskova, Denisa Alatova, and Marketa Vondrusheva. Marketa Vondrusheva, you, you say? Go. Yeah, I do. Uh, and in fact. That is a pretty depleted-looking Czech Republic side, isn't it, uh, in terms of those team nominations? But so then, let's be honest, it's a depleted-looking US side as well. Because there's is, no yeah. Williams sisters. I know they don't really play Fed Cup, but and we sort of discount them. From Who's e- going to win? Uh, oh, they've got Vanderway, but Vanderway hasn't been in brilliant form. I'm thinking out loud here. I think Czech, you can't back against Czech Republic in Fed Cup. I can. I'm going for the United States to beat... Czech Republic. So there we are. Uh, Belarus against uh, Switzerland is the uh, other semi-final. Switzerland. Switzerland is Catherine's choice. That is going to be held in Belarus, in Minsk, on hard courts indoors. Uh, Sasnovich and Gavortseva uh, and Sabalenka up against the Swiss team. I, I agree with you. Swiss team is strong. Timur Baczynski, uh, Victoria Golubic uh, and Belinda Hingis. Bencic no, and Hingis. Martina Hingis. Hingis yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say Switzerland as well. So lots to look forward to in that regard. What else we got on the agenda, Catherine? Well, unfortunately, I've just seen what is actually next on the agenda. So I'm, I'm going to just uh, freestyle it, it from here on no, in. Freestyle. I Shall I mention Petra Kvitova? Yeah, do that's that, happened do that since while I look you put at the agenda vault. together. Petra Kvitova uh, released a statement together. I think she actually originally put it out on Instagram, which is, you know, what the kids do these days. It's what we do. I tell even. you, even Catherine has got a, an interest in Instagram now. I think interest is an exaggeration. <laughs> but anyway, I, I do Instagram. I I G. Um, only Insta- only uh, for the tennis podcast, not... Uh, I don't have a personal account. Anyway, Petra Gavitova, who's fantastic, does have a personal account, and she used it yesterday to tell us that her name is going to be on the entry list for Roland Garros this year. She uh, pointed out that she still thinks it's pretty unlikely that she will end up playing, but she wanted to give herself the opportunity to play should she be ready, should should her recovery progress more quickly than is expected which okay let's say she doesn't make it to Paris which sounds like still the most likely option it certainly indicates that the time frame that we're looking at most likely for her comeback is a lot more positive and a lot shorter than we feared yeah uh, it does and that's if that's the case if 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 we can read into that and that is correct then fantastic because Petra Gavitova is seems like a lovely person it's a horrible thing that happened to her she's a wonderful tennis player and I can't wait to see her back I'm sure everybody feels her positivity is um, I know it's such a cliche you know sort of inspirational positivity but really really um, well inspirational positivity (laughs) There we go. Indeed. Pole vault, Catherine. So, uh, I've been active. Now, we should say that uh, a while back, Catherine banned pole vaults from the show. She basically made an ultimatum and she said that if, we, if, if this doesn't stop, 
the podcast stops. If, if and, they're good, uh, there's the odd pole vault that I approve of, and I keep thinking you'll sort of take note of that and think, okay, well, you know, I'll only do the good pole vaults. You let's, ran, let's, you, I'm willing to hear you out. Cause, you ran one of your own recently, I saw didn't a, you? I saw a dog on the train this morning, and it improved my mood no end, right, and okay. I thought, well, uh, do you uh, know d- what? Just, just to let you know, the reason we're now doing them again is because uh, Catherine saw me post a picture of food on Instagram and was so irritated by this, she said, again, ultimatum, take that down, stop doing it, or we will no longer record the podcast. And I said... There's people that post pictures of food on Instagram, David. And I know I know, it doesn't make them terrible people because I have, you know, Dave Levy, who is a friend of the podcast and who we both like very much, posts pictures of food on Instagram. And I think that makes him an absolute coin on social media. But I know that in real life, he's a perfectly nice, credible human being. But people sort of suspend that for social media, and I don't know. Yeah, so, Catherine, you're just jealous of my ability to concoct extraordinary recipes. No, because that would at one do point you just posted proud. a picture of a bowl of tomatoes. Yes, There's and no turned involved that bowl, in a bowl of, of tomatoes, tomatoes into the most extraordinary tomato well, anyway for anybody dish. that followed us early on and was put off by the sight of <laughs> photos of food on a podcast a tennis podcast yeah. uh, instagram account worry not so anyway, guys it's been is, stamped out yeah the good news is only pictures I, of dogs now yeah i said Catherine, um uh food or pole vault which is it and she said pole vault so it's back thankfully and uh, the first one i've that gone is with how strongly i feel is, about pictures of food on instagram let's Dave Levy, say if you're listening. you have to pick your roland garros winner right now right now on the men's side and the women's didn't side. did we do this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago? No, we ago, didn't. didn't. If we? you had to pick your... Ro- yeah. You've had three wines. You've had to pick your <laughs> Roland Garros winner right now. Who would you go for? Would it be on the men's side, Murray, Nadal, Djokovic, or another? 989 votes. Are you asking me? Yeah. But it's a, what a ridiculous poll. Another. Another. Really? Who's your other? Who's your another? No, I'm, no, I'm just saying another with a disdainful voice because that's just oh. it's just one insufficient mechanism for polling. Well, that's um, perfectly acceptable. Oh, if I had to pick now, probably went for another. How many percent? Nineteen percent went for another. Yeah. Oh, I think it's sort of forty-eight, fifty-two between Nadal and another. Well, 48 went for Nadal, 19% went for Murray, only 14% went for Djokovic, 19% went for another. On the women's side, Serena Williams, Gabinia Magarutha, Angelique Kerber or another. Who are you going for? Um, I don't think Muguruza. 13% think that she think will. I don't think Kerber. I think, again, it's between only Serena 7%. and another and you just don't, you don't pick another player over Serena do you 36% so Serena, do who's the other you didn't put Sharapova in the poll that's interesting well, she's because in part the polling of another. mechanism is insufficient she's to do part so. of another Catherine along with several others well along with what the other 7 billion people on yeah, the planet yeah but it also says hyphen who uh, anyway, uh, so. <laughs> anyway, my my third one is um, uh, who will go furthest at the French Open out of these two, Dominic Team or Nick Kyrgios? Yeah, see, that's an okay poll. That's pretty clean cut. And is it? Yeah. Oh, good. That, so, what that's do you think? Eight hundred and forty-five votes. What Dominic do you think? Team or Nick Kyrgios? I know this is a cop out, but I think a lot depends on the draw. Um, I hear that Dominic Team is not planning to play the week before uh, the French Open this year, despite the fact that he's defending champion in, where's, is it Nice, that tournament, the week before the French Open? Is he ill? <laughs> I know. I know. I, I believe it when I see it. I think actually when it comes to it, he won't be able to help himself. He'll just rock up in Nice and demand a wild card. Um, but apparently that's that's the plan at this stage, uh, as David chokes on his beer. Uh so and that is encouraging uh, and again I'm just sort of dilly-dallying now while I think out loud and um, draw permitting I think that Kyrgios well that wasn't a good 59% sentence, was of people agree with you 59% of the 845 votes say Nick Kyrgios 41% say team final tennis podcast pole vault of the week grunting 
Should something be done to reduce it in the sport? Yes. Gruntometer and punish. Yes. Educate. I don't like this poll, Will. Educate, but don't punish. No. It was going really well. I no, just... just get over it. Oh, you've annoyed me now, David, because it's that's just far too binary a process for addressing the issue of grunting. As we said in the podcast, or as I talked about in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, now I'm just repeating myself and everyone's tuning out, but um, I think it's impossible to separate the issue of grunting, which I accept is an issue for some people. I think it's impossible to extricate the reality of the issue from the climate in which it's discussed which is generally speaking a sexist one whether people realise it or not and the climate doesn't mean big bag sexist people going oh I don't like women grunting it's just that, I that's, I that's I the culture women here. I haven't mentioned well, women here once precisely so. my point you can't none of that can be expressed in the medium of a poll on Twitter David. so which one are you so going for i well, well, what were the options No, again? no, just get over it is one of them. No, not that. Gruntometer is No, is not one. that. Uh, yes, something should be done. You should educate but not punish. What do you mean educate, not punish? It's not... Educate none of not those. to do none it. Of the, none, none, none of your options. None of them. That isn't an option. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In future, can there always be a none of the above option in all of your polls? Do you want it to be don't know? Um, no, because I do know. I know exactly how I feel about grunting. Okay, uh, all right. Well, well, we'll end on a non-pole vault uh, subject, uh, a much more jolly one. Um, uh, David loves jolly. Yeah. He's, he's quivering with anticipation. Hashtag, when I discovered tennis up close is awesome. When did you discover tennis? Well, when tennis? I watched Tennis Up Close. Yes, which was <laughs> I thought, when? This is awesome. Which is when? Oh, right. When did I first watch Tennis Up Close? I camped out at Wimbledon in 2002, and I found the photographs of it in a photo album at my parents' house last weekend. Obviously, they're absolutely rubbish photos, um, completely pointless. There's one of, like, Yelena Dokic from a distance. <laughs> I remember just being you so just excited about, about that at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember sort of shouting for her to come over and sign an autograph. Did um, she? Don't think so. No, there's one of like the back of Andre Agassi's head. <laughs> Hold on a minute. The, the, the hashtag is when I discovered tennis up close is awesome. I did. I also went on so, set to got IQ'd for resale was, tickets. What was the match? What was the moment? What was the feeling that you had that made you think this is awesome? It was Pat Rafter uh, against somebody that I've forgotten now. Centre court, he was wearing a yellow headband. And it wasn't so much about the tennis. I knew tennis was awesome, but it was about the experience of being in a crowd and watching tennis, sort of the collective experience of it. And that was all Oh, the collective, that's quite interesting. That's very interesting. But see, mine was the sheer intensity of... OK, I had a lifetime of watching tennis, but... To, to be courtside by oh, the net. Oh, but I was net. quite far away. I was by the net when Tim Henman Just played against... off now. Yeah, when Tim Henman played against Andre Agassi in the final of the 1998 Basel-Swiss indoors. Were you a ball boy? I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not a ball boy. Um, although I would have been a good one. Um, it, it was the best match I've ever seen Tim Henman play in terms of the sheer level that he played at. Um, he beat Agassi in the four sets. The best match you've yeah, ever I'm seen Tim you. Henman play. Yeah, no question about it. He of beat, all the matches Tim Henman Andre, ever played. He beat Andre Agassi in four sets in a final. In a final, right? And Agassi, wow. you saw his his eyes, the intensity of the guy was just mind-blowing. I, I, that's what really struck me is, is, is how confrontational this sport is. How they, they look each other in the eye. How they... How the, the aggression, the the violence with which they hit the ball, I, I, I don't think you can transmit that on the TV. And and I've seen it at Queens as well when we've been courtside. I remember if you ever get 
to, to watch tennis up close enough so that you can hear the players during the point when you can't when there's no other sound, the crowd are quiet, just hear the noise of the players. Not only the sounds of the footsteps on the ground, but the noise of the, the efforts that they're putting in. Andy Roddick back in the day, Mario Ancic, these, these players, the exhalations between strokes that they make are audible for the crowd. And, and, and oh, it's, it's such a different sport to watch close up uh, just no, a cu- I, that was that was very persuasive I think you've eclipsed my story about seeing the back of Andre Agassi's head I think so too just quickly a, cu- a couple <laughs> of thoughts I didn't know that was coming a couple of thoughts that I've had from people tennis up close is awesome the 2014 World Tour Finals says Bobby Nevs uh, Vavrinka against Djokovic Stan's backhand made me realise just how hard he actually hits the ball uh, Glenn Norman says Del Potro against Burdick on the Suzanne Longlong courts in 2012 for me um, we have Caroline saying Delpo at the Emirates last September against Murray. Didn't appreciate until then just what a bomb of a forehand he has. I've never seen anything like it. As in the Emirates the Man Arena. City. No, 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 that's the Etihad. You're the thinking Etihad. of the Arsenal ground. This was the Emirates yeah, Arena the Emir- in yeah. Glasgow, Catherine Whittaker. Uh, the oh. Davis Cup venue. Oh, yeah. uh, Naima Raja says, <laughs> seeing Andre Agassi in 1992, back of his head. No, it wasn't that. A uh, Wimbledon from the th- <laughs> it was good, though. third it was row. Until that day, I'd only ever seen him on the telly. Um, and then finally, we have uh, Dimi, who says, courtside for Vadasco Nadal in the Australian Open last year. The oh. fifth set was an exhibition of hard-hitting by Nadasco. By Nadasco. <laughs> Nadasco. <laughs> Three beers law on the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph and with eurosport and this week hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's Heineken. We'll be back next week. 